Doug Herendine. It is the 11th hour. And with us, the author of Works New Age and Choosing a Lasting Career for Works New Age and the Works New Age blog spot, which we put links to a little bit later on some of the topics we will discuss on our Facebook page. Dr. James B. Huntington, Happy New Year, sir. Good morning, Doug, and good morning, listeners. And uh, we're going to talk about jobs in the economy, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Um, We will get to the new administration and some of the actions last week with... uh, the stroke of a pen and executive orders versus the previous administration. Uh, but one of the things that we want to talk about very first here is something called the AJSN. And Dr. Huntington, for those that are not familiar or maybe joining us for the first time on this discussion, what is the AJSN? It's the American Job Shortage Number, which consolidates into one figure any of the questions about what is the real unemployment rate or how many people are out who are not unemployed and things like that, different levels of unemployment people come up with and so on. The AJSN gives one number of how many more positions other than those that are advertised are out there now could quickly and easily be filled if everybody knew it would be as routine to get a job as it would to go out and get a six-pack. I'll let you know. We're, we're just losing you a little bit there. You're going up and down on the levels, if you can sort of uh, just uh, get that uh, okay. uh, fixed up there. Okay, so we, we continue. Now, the the AJS, and we didn't talk in December because December's kind of chock full of a whole bunch of stuff. So we last talked about this in November. What is the progress or the lack of progress since November? Well... November's or the one well, I sh- the one using November's data that came out in December was very close to the previous months, and the January one using December's data, the one that came out most recently, is not much farther, but it got worse by about a quarter million, even though unemployment stayed the same. So what are we talking about as far as numbers? Because we, the AJSN, American Job Shortage number that you talk about there, what exactly did that do and what does that mean for the economy overall? Right now it's up to 21.2 million, which is really a, quite a healthy job shortage. It's rather high. It certainly indicates a recession or some such. It's a lot of people would like to work and majority of those jobs would be filled by people who are not unemployed, people who have other statuses, percentages of people who are discouraged, people who did not search for work in the previous year, and even 5% of those who say they do not want a job because the numbers tell us consistently that when there are more positions out there, the share of people who say they don't want a job goes down. They change their mind. They get the bug to work when they find out such things are available. And we're only talking about 5%, but there are 94 million people in that status, so there are almost 5 million who add to our total of latent demand or the AJSN. I'll start by uh, just to uh, give a synopsis here of what you start off with in this post, and we'll put a link to it on our facebook.com slash WRTA. Doug, the uh, only projection I saw for the number of new non-farm payroll positions in this morning's Bureau of Labor Statistics Employment Situation Summary was plus 71,000, 
and it missed by more than 200,000. The 140,000 loss was the first since April. That Yes, uh, we did drop jobs. Yeah, but I mean, the, the fact that it was the first since April, now uh, again, consider that there's some lag in looking at these statistics. For what we saw happen to this country in the past year, that it took this long for it to get that bad as far as the number. And am I misreading it that that's really not great? Uh, th- that surprised me. Well, it's been going up. It's a, What happened with jobs were the first month when everyone, or not everyone, but most people were behaving themselves better than they are now, and a lot of things were closed, businesses were closed. We lost something like 11 or 12 million jobs. Since then, it is gen- it's been crawling back, generally upwards. Not Actually, every month has gained jobs, sometimes in the millions since then. But it stopped gaining in December and actually lost. It's not surprising because the COVID numbers out there are terrible. It's not surprising, but I, it's, it seems to me to be delayed. It's not good news, but I expected more bad news earlier than well, this. Well, we've been marching along with this 900,000 new unemployment claims month after month after month. And a lot of these people are going back to work. We don't have enough unemployed people to support all the people who've been filing for unemployment, so to speak. We have 10.4 million unemployed, and we're getting 3 or 4 million new cases or new applications being filed every month. That means there is a lot of churn. There are people going back and forth. There are jobs that are being started and stopped. When situations change, we have a lot of businesses going under where they are just running out of ability to wait and wait for the pandemic to end. We have a lot of places trying to start work again. We have a lot more people working from home with jobs that can handle that, but we're not having a lot of quite so many obviously permanent job losses. It's, 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 they try to consolidate this into gray areas. Like they, have, they have a category of temporary layoffs, a number of temporary layoffs, but really it's a whole mess of people out there who have partial layoffs. It's it's almost like the the NFL's injury setup where they say that somebody is probable around 75% of playing a game, questionable about 50%, doubtful Mm. about 25%, and then in and out. It's the same kind of thing where you can say that you're probable to be back to work in six months or something, but or questionable, totally unknown, could easily go either way, or doubtful. So it's that's what's happening. There are a lot of people who are out who have different chances. They may be just about certain that they're going to work within a few weeks, or they may their jobs may be completely kaput. But then you have businesses which are slowing way down, sort of going on hold, which when things get better, and in fact the number of new cases in this country has just crashed downward, a good thing, in the last several weeks. So they may find themselves back at work. So there, there are just a lot of unknown work statuses really out there. Now, one of the other things we talk about every uh, month, and mainly because we've had interest from callers and people have asked me about it, and you do cover this, uh, the labor force participation rate 
and the employment population ratio. But you say yes. uh, the ratio did not suffer with the former still at 61.5. Explain what these numbers mean and what they are right now. Okay, labor force participation rate is the number of people working and officially unemployed, the 10.4 million I just mentioned, divided by the number of people. So that tells you the share of people who are either working or one step away by being technically officially unemployed. That's 61.5% now. Then you have the, or that's the labor force participation rate. Then you have the employment population ratio, which is just the number of people working divided by the number of people in the population. So that's 57.4%. The wider difference between those two means unemployment is higher. If unemployment was zero, with both these numbers would be the same. So if the employment population ratio is particularly valuable because it tells us how many people out there are actually working. 57.4% of the population That's right. then. 57.4% of the adult population. And quickly, in the time that we've been talking on the air, which is going on like about 10 years now, what was the best these numbers were versus now? Best numbers were it got below 15 million. And in fact, that was last year where we had things 14.9 million, something like that. I had, did some historical AJSNs for the 1990s and such, and I don't think we ever had one that was that low because during the times when we had 3 and 4% unemployment, the number of women in the workforce had not reached its current general level. So that kept the employment population ratio down. So, but the, but the best ratio we had was what? Or the the best ratio we ever had was in the seventies. So that's you know time of low of low unemployment and a lot of jobs. Those mm. are that's the kind of thing we're looking for. Obviously, we're not going to get anywhere near to a hundred percent because a lot of people simply and truly do not want to work. And, we, and and just to, we have to go to a break here, and then we've got a call afterwards from Dan and uh, Junietta. Uh, at the end of the thing, we you use the uh, turtle as an illustration every month, and you said uh, in the uh, we still can't afford to put jobs ahead of health. Help is on the way, meaning the vaccines. But this time, the turtle staggered backwards once more. Yes, the turtle isn't doing very well. He's sick. This time, he actually moved backwards. We made reverse progress on our job situation in this country. And uh, and over the past couple of years, we got used to the turtle taking small steps forward most months. Yes, that's why he's a turtle, yes. Usually in the job market, it takes, in, in unless a lot of people are coming back to work, as happened in May and June and such, something unusual like that happens, generally the turtle is just going to take a small step forward. It's, a, it's the reason I use that metaphor is that it is a slow sort of cumulative process. And even with the rotten job situation we have now, the massive majority of people who were working a year ago are working now. All right. We have to take a break. We will continue with Dr. James B. Huntington, author of Works New Age. Dan from Juniata has a question. If you do as well, 946-0435. We want to get into what the Biden administration has already said through executive order, they're going to do and how they're going to do it 
and what their policies are going to be. And some of the people, at least my reading on social media over the weekend was, well, I voted for him, but I didn't think the idiot would actually do it. Elections have consequences. We'll continue on Talk Radio 98.5 WRTA. There's more stimulating conversation coming up. In these uncertain times, family budgets are tight, but appliances still need replaced or repaired when they quit working. There goes the dryer. Now what? Now you go to Appliance Station. Appliance Station offers affordable reconditioned appliances. Appliance Station can also fix your broken appliances right in your home. Or if you prefer to do it yourself, they sell all of the replacement parts you need. Ask for Mindy. She's there to help. Appliance Station, a half block down from the Railroaders Memorial Museum at 1129 9th Avenue, Altoona. Like Appliance Station on Facebook. Ooh, a fondue set. Now I need to find a coupon code. Not anymore, Susan. Capital One Shopping instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them at checkout. Wait, instantly? It's called shopping smart, not hard. Download Capital One Shopping to your computer for free and let it do the work for you. Don't mind if I fondue. <laughs> That's kind of cheesy. Capital One Shopping. It's kind of genius. What's in your wallet? Savings and available coupons vary. Here's a message just for the attorneys out there. So you passed the bar, joined a firm, or even built your own. Now are you finding out that you're doing more administration than actual law practice? Lexicon can help. Lexicon is a legal services and technology provider with over a decade of experience streamlining administrative tasks like timekeeping, HR, billing, client intake, and more. So you can focus on maximizing billable hours and increasing client satisfaction. Call 855-4-LEXICON or visit lexiconservices.com go to learn more. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. My training helps me at work when I lead by example. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my community and those I care about safe from threats. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time close to home by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Pennsylvania Army National Guard. Aired by the Pennsylvania Association of Broadcasters and this station. Central PA's Beacon of Truth. TA. Talk Radio 98.5 WRTA. It's the 11th hour with Doug Herendine. We'll have a podcast of this program up later today at facebook.com slash WRTA, Doug. And coming soon, the brand new WRTA.com, which is kind of there, but we're... Yeah, you'll you'll see what it is when when we get it up and running completely because they're still adding stuff and it's going to be cool. Uh, Dr. James B. Huntington with us, and uh, let's see, Dr. Huntington, you're there. Yes, I am. Speaking of changes, your new phone system. We need Inspector Clouseau to say there's something the matter with your phone. Now it, it's uh, we need that, except uh, this is not the new phone system. But hopefully that will oh, be here well, soon. Maybe they, one knows the new one is coming. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. And all right, now, let's see. We have Dan, are you there? I am, but uh, I can't hear doctor. Okay, well, I'll, I'll translate here. Luckily, I won't be doing it in sign language or it's going to be rather difficult. But what's the main question, Dan? Now, you're okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get by. Uh, my main question is, now, this stimulus money that, that that's coming and also born the trillion dollars now, will that? Uh, I know it's going to lead into a recession. It has to. But is there a chance it could lead into a depression? 
See, that's my concern. And the other question is, we got, uh, over the weekend, we got a check for $2,400. Wow, I didn't. (laughs) No, but that's for four people. It was $600, see. But my question is, see, now I'm retired, and thank God that I have a, I have a good retirement base, see. So that money should go to somebody that needs it, you know. Now, I have a neighbor that has three kids, and, 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 and you know, he has a decent job, but the, but the mother's a stay-at-home mother, see. Now, I would think that these would need a little bit more help than myself. Yeah, I, Dan, just to uh, make this quicker, I will also give you this uh, as an example. I've been uh, talking to people online, and a lot of people who have gotten a check say, well, I really don't need it. And, of course, people say, well, then just give it to me. And it's like, yeah, well, you can give it to somebody else. But the point is there are people who perceive that they're getting these checks where they don't need it, but the same story as you where a neighbor has been out of work. Other people who have who have been out of work, there have been several checks. They haven't gotten a dime, and they are not try, they can't figure out what the government is doing. Dr. Huntington, uh, if, if you want to talk about that, and also uh, to Dan's point about a recession. Dan, do you want to hang up and listen on the radio? It's up to you. Well, if you want me, you want me to hang up, I'll well, hang up. If not, I'll stay on. What, well, what, wait, let me see. Uh, doctor, say something and see if Dan can hear you. Can you hear me, Dan? No, not no. very well. Can not you hear me? No. Understand you. Okay, Dan. I, I'll tell you what. Uh, if you want to call back in, uh, normally we wouldn't do this, but if you want to call back in at the half hour and ask a follow up, uh, please do, and we'll just work over these uh, questions. You can listen on the radio. Okay. Well, could doctor hear me? Let me ask. Oh, you he, that. Yeah. oh yes, I hear you loud and clear. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then, then that's exactly what I'll do, Doug. Is I'll hang up and then I'll listen and then. If I want to add to it, then I'll yeah. call back. Yeah, and we'll and we'll go over it there. All right, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Doctor. All right, Doctor Huntington. Uh, what what do you say about this? Are we going to go into a recession based on all the spending? Because a trillion here, a trillion. It used to be what a million here, a million there yeah, was the line. In the billions. And, yeah, and now we're now we're looking at a trillion is what uh, the, the Democrats wanted for this, and it, what uh, the president elect now, President Biden, proposed that we spend about that much on all this. Just presuming, presuming that it actually went for COVID relief and to genuinely stimulate the economy as opposed to boondoggles, which BS, there's no way it is. These bills have been porkier than a Smithfield plant. There's no doubt about that. We'll remember that one because it's good. Um, But does that necessarily mean, since they're just printing money like there's no tomorrow, uh, that that we're going to a recession or that we're going to have massive inflation? What's your take? Neither one. Neither one? Because the money is still pooling up. And the other half of Dan's question is one of the reasons why it is pooling up. The people who have money are tending very heavily to save it. So it's even though the measures of money supply, and there are different ones, M1, M2, M3, depending on how you define money, which isn't all that easy, strangely enough, indicate that we have been growing our money supply for about 10 or 15 percent a year, year after year. So question is, why don't we have 10 or 15 percent inflation? 
we have 2% inflation. That's because so much of the money is just going nowhere in large companies, companies that have half a trillion or more in assets, mostly cash, and individual people who aren't doing much with it either. So we'd have to do tens of trillions, really, before we'd pick up inflation. And as far as a recession goes, no, it would be the opposite of that. We have a recession right now. It's not the usual thing, but technically speaking, we're certainly there as far as the indicators go. Now, the other other question was about the, okay, but about the money supply. Okay, he asked two questions here. One was about, oh, the... The inflation. Oh, about the, the, he mentioned the value of all these people getting the money where it doesn't really Yeah, I mean, it's totally misplaced. Well, it is too broad-based. I think it is really, it's too broad-based now for everybody to be getting checks that they need to get it more to people who have problems, people who could apply in some way, or people who have low incomes and get it to businesses, more to small businesses, the kind of places that are going under, I mentioned before, that just can't make it, and they have there's they have nowhere to go, unlike large companies, which can borrow money at very, very low rates right now. And so we need more help, for more focused help, I think, than making it, I know it's easier just to give individuals checks, but it's, so much of that money is getting saved. It, it isn't doing any damage, but it is, you know, adding to the deficit and mm, increasing the national debt and such by a lot of it. I mean, so if, much of the money is being saved. Well, so, look, yes. if there's if there's a thousand dollars in the world, and you say this is a thousand dollars, and then I print five thousand more, that thousand dollars is not worth as much, though. Oh, if, uh, if people are spending it. And if people are just socking away the $5,000 and it's not getting anywhere near the market, your $1,000 is as good as it ever was. So, <laughs> strangely enough, that's actually true. The value of their 5000 may be decreased in a situation where if they spend it, it, if everyone spends their money, then the value of money goes down. But it's sort of paradoxical, but that's really how it works if you had... If you had half the shares of General Motors right now and you threw them all on the market in one swoop, they would be, they would go way down. The ones sold last would go for a fraction of what the first ones would go for because yeah, there's just too much supply, or there's too much supply chasing too few goods and services, things that have not been improving. Because I mean, if you get if you print five times the amount of money we have, we're not obviously we don't have suddenly five times as much value being generated in this country. So, yes, it will. But then again, money can just—I mean, if if a lot of these people let this money go, anything could happen as far as inflation and such. But it, it's showing no signs of it. I find it ironic that one of the arguments we've been hearing from the left over the past couple of years is you have all these companies that are amassing cash value. They should either have it taken away from them by a tax or they should be forced to spend it, neither of which I would find constitutional. No, 
I wouldn't and, find that constitutional either. Doesn't stop people from proposing it because, well, how dare they have any money because I don't have enough myself is seems to be the, the attitude. It's it's rarely – and the people who are saying it usually have plenty of money. It's it's their constituents that are the ones that, that ain't getting. Uh, well, what, what we need are more incentives. We need business opportunities, the kind of things that would get these companies to want to develop and build. I mean, I don't have, I don't quite understand why they think, I mean, the pandemic notwithstanding, I don't understand why the Googles and the Microsofts that have all these, have all these hundreds of billions of dollars don't have business opportunities. That, that's usually what happens. Well, I mean, one of, yeah, th- there's a disincentive in a lot of places to invest, whether it be in New York, Amazon wants to come in, AOC says, oh, no, no, you can't do that. We don't want you here. And they're going to make it untenable for them to come in and spend their money there. So they'll just go somewhere else. Or maybe they'll decide not to go somewhere else. They'll just just stay with what they've got. Meanwhile, that's money that's not put back into the economy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's so... They're, so, they're they're not the people running those companies are not going hungry, but the people who could have the jobs that might have been a nice idea. That's true, also, that and the would, tax base as well. Yes, and, we, and one thing Trump had promised, but we never did anything with it, was the infrastructure project. We may get that out of Biden. It's possible. I mean, it, have, it's ironic that that was a that is a traditional or has become a traditional. Uh, Democrat talking point to do something about infrastructure, and it, it, it and it has been done in the past under FDR and other presidents. Uh, although, what the highways happened under Eisenhower, didn't they? Yes. He, so uh, there you go. Yeah. So well, it, it's a conservative, it's a Republican, theoretically, talking point too, because it strengthens our country and it really does make America great in a certain way. I've traveled to enough places where. The infrastructure is clearly newer and better than it is in our country. Go to Scandinavia, go to Hong Kong, just to name two. What's their What's their tax rate, though? Yeah, well, that, that uh, Americans are not culturally predisposed to accept high taxes, and that's something we have to accept about our people. Here's the thing, though, and and we're, we're running late for a break, but I'll just say this: if they saw government being better stewards of their money. Maybe they'd want to give a little bit more of it up to get what they believe to be good service for it. But when they see the boondoggles that go on in Washington, in Harrisburg, and a lot of other places, they sit there and go, excuse me, I can spend my money better than you can. And they're not wrong. Yes, but more about that when we talk about the stimulus after the break. Clarkster's on the line. Clarkster, go. Go. Okay, doctor. The problem is going to be when the government puts the burden on private industry, that's when you're going to see inflation. When, when they try to put through a minimum wage of $15, that's going to put a strain on labor costs. Then that's going to be a strain on prices and on people on fixed income. Until that happens, the government is assuming the burden. And as far as the government's concerned, the national debt, or what do you even want to call it, is a myth. Doctor Huntington. Okay, no, I am. I am no fan of this fifteen-dollar minimum wage thing. For one thing, it's. I'm, it was 
nicely rebutted in a simple map I saw, which had metropolitan areas around the country and their costs of living, and they varied drastically. And many of the ones that have low costs of living were the ones who are still doing 725 minimum wages. So I agree there. Now, as far as inflation, it's the money is really going to need to circulate a great deal. And I submit that this $15 thing, if they do it, will cost too many jobs for it to have a truly inflationary effect. If they raised everyone's pay and it were required and somehow everyone kept their jobs, then it would be somewhat inflationary because people on the low end of the pay scale would be spending more. A lot of that money would be spent. And they're not going to be anywhere better in, in a plight in life. They're still going to be the bottom of the pay scale. It, yeah. it all has to do with job mobility and moving up. There's nothing magical about any poverty line where they come up with this and it's really not well based on anything. And if $14 is over the poverty line, it's still not great. It's not massively different than $13 if it happens that $13 is below the poverty line. Well, when when the onus goes back onto industry, you're going to see you're going to see prices go up at that point. I'm totally convinced that's going to happen. Another proposal that's out there is, in addition to the stimulus money, there's a proposal that $300 will be given per child yes, on an annual basis. Yes, that may happen. I, I know, think up, generally up six. That, will, that will be better than giving... $1,200 again to every adult or something like that. Well, that will be in addition to. It's going to be, it's going to be uh, looked at. It's a backdoor way of, of also increasing wages. The other number is 250 per child up to age 16. Uh, yes. That's another part of that proposal. That's, that's, that's somewhat positive because... The people who have children around that age tend to be younger and do not have, on average, as high an income as people who are empty nesters or people in their 50s or 60s or some such. So that's and what I want to see in a stimulus is money that's going to get spent. Well, so I'd call that favorable, although, of course, there will be a lot of plenty rich people who will be getting that for their children who don't need it. But we, wow. can't, we can't get this thing absolutely perfectly right person by person. So, Well, it's just another attempt by government to manipulate things that when they manipulate it, like make more money available, they ruin it. Well, yes, but it, again, the problem is really going to be when the money gets spent. And I don't think that any of this is going to cause people who have a lot of money to let go of it. We something else is going to happen. I was so I was so high on driverless cars that it was going to be a multi trillion dollar industry until it just fizzled out. But I've written enough on that. I won't go off on that tangent here. Well it's disincentiving disincentivizing people to move into a better position. 
Also, from what I've heard, some of the criticism is there are people, and I've not met all of them personally, but I've heard from a few, they're making more money sitting at home on their can than they were when they were working. Oh, that's interesting because, yes, I agree with that when you were talking about $600 a month. But if you were getting that and making more, you should have been sitting back thinking of what's going to be better for you long term. And maybe some people made took that opportunity to take that money and invest in themselves and maybe create their own job. And Some as everybody people have. knows, during my whole working life, which is a long time, it's easier to get a job from a job. They're going to have a lot easier time if they're looking for jobs that pay substantially more than $15 an hour. They're going to have easier times getting them if they're working at all. That's just simply... How it works? Well, it's about getting skills that will translate into the next job, or that getting too. the experience that takes you up to the next job. So, all right. Even a lot of bad jobs can teach you things about working and logistics and organization and yeah. things That's you true. can yeah. all apply right, to your general work knowledge. Clarkster, right. thank Talk you very you. much. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Bye now. And I'm going to have to make sure that we get the right right number and. Hopefully not lose Dr. Huntington during the break here. We have an article from Reason Magazine, Joe Biden's plans for big government. As you might imagine, it's a bit critical. We'll continue on Talk Radio 98.5 WRTA. The opinions you hear on WRTA are the hosts, callers, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the station. It's management. All carry the best 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain, limited warranty on the planet, and the best buying and ownership experience you'll ever have. Mitsubishi All-Wheel Drive Outlander or Outlander Sport from only $14,988. Or CPO Mirage from only $79.95. No one stocks more, no one sells for less. Only at five-star Mitsubishi Altoona. You know that you'd love to drive the car that you can buy from five-star Mitsubishi Altoona. It doesn't get better than this. See dealer for current deals and exclusives. Now, team with the resources of Fox News Radio and townhall.com. Talk Radio 98.5 and 1240 WRTA. With Dr. James B. Huntington, author of Works New Age, talking jobs and the economy. We have another call coming, but I want to get this article in first. And we'll, uh, uh, to our caller, if you can uh, please hold here. If we have time, we'll, we'll get to you, I promise. Joe Biden's plan for big government. This is in Reason Magazine, uh, Veronica Doe. Rouget, or Ruggie, whichever it is. I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'll, I'll be like everybody gets my name right. Uh, with this policy announcement about another COVID-19 relief bill, President Joe Biden declares loud and clear that he will not show away from spending blowouts and fiscal irresponsibility. For the most part, his proposed plan is nothing more than ways to use the current crisis to deliver on Democrats' longtime dream to explode the size and scope of federal government. The objective of the $1.9 trillion, with a T, Dollar plan is noble enough, stimulate the economy, provide relief to Americans, and combat the pandemic. But noble doesn't always mean good. As they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I would add political expediency to that expression. The plan's $160 billion vaccination program and related COVID-19 health policies are its best aspects. That said, there's a lot of wishful thinking behind that lack of money or federal intervention explaining how the slow vaccine rollout opposed to effective government institutions. 
Um, I salute the administration's desire to open the schools. But again, we don't buy into the idea that the main obstacle to opening them before was the lack of money in state budgets. The Cato Institute's Chris Edwards told me that the state total and local government tax revenues fell just shy of $22 billion from the first and second quarter of 2020, and they bounced back strongly in the third quarter. Meanwhile, federal aid to state and local governments has uh, soared to $194 billion in the second quarter as the result of federal relief bills. And skipping down here, then you have the call for another $1,400 in individual stimulus checks to be added to the 600 approved by Congress about a month ago. That money isn't even out the door yet, and Biden is asking for more. Many of the people who get these checks haven't lost their jobs, and those who have lost their jobs are covered by unemployment benefits. Well, sometimes. Dr. Huntington, what do you say? Well, there's a lot of points made in this article. First of all, I do not like this idea of big government when they say that. That's really just a a trigger phrase, a symbolic thing. They're trying to pull strings by saying that. We all like some things about government. I bet there are people who crab about big government who are quite happy with their Social Security and their Medicare, for example and quite happy that there are roads out there that will take them where they want to go. So I, it's, it usually just means government services the speaker doesn't like. And we, we don't get to choose. It's just – and as far as the fiscal irresponsibility goes, well, this is a prediction from George Will that at noon on the 20th, the deficit hawks would come out of the woodwork wherever they've been hiding during the Trump years. Yeah, where were they? Well, they were refusing to comment because a Republican was spending like a drunken sailor. And now you have a Democrat probably spending too much on some of these things. And all of a sudden, they're being pious about fiscal irresponsibility. So I don't want to hear about that unless you're reasonably bipartisan. Now, on the other side, this thing is quite interesting about local government and state government revenues being helped substantially already. I would like to know more numbers on this. I mean, it's how much money they're short, how much money they've collected from the feds to cover that. It's it's interesting because this, this area around here is certainly not rich, and yet uh, one of the local governments was – had bought a building that they were going to turn into some kind of community center when they have community centers and display things and various obviously optional sort of things. And I'm wondering where, yeah, where did they get the money? I mean, why are they acting like they're flush when tax revenues have to be way down, certainly in this area? So I'd like to know more about that. And you're in upstate New York, just so people understand. Yeah, then you have the unemployment. I mean, I... You can cherry-pick statistics on unemployed workers. You can talk about some getting more, as you said, than they were getting on the job, but most obviously are not. And I don't think disincentive to work is any factor at all when I just wrote up an AJSN saying that we could fill potentially 21.2 million more jobs. If It's fine if some people have a disincentive to work. We need to find a way one way or another to even out the balance between jobs and workers. And if some people feel discouraged, if they can make it on temporary unemployment, let them. There are plenty of people who want more money than that and who want to 
work or something. Then, you know, I've weighed in on the minimum wage already, the stimulus checks, the emergency unemployment benefits. Okay, yes. It's we have about 60 seconds here. Let me ask you about this. He got rid of the Keystone XL pipeline and a bunch of other uh, drilling in New Mexico. I didn't support that either. I wanted that pipeline built. I don't know. I don't know why it wasn't finished in the last four years. So supposedly now we've lost hundreds of thousands of jobs between that and New Mexico and Texas, and he's coming after fracking after saying he wasn't. So well, what fracking is, this? is dead anyway, isn't it? What's he? Was he chasing a, a, a dead horse here? It's it's lessening in Pennsylvania, but it's still part of our economy. Oh yeah, I mean it's around, but. That's an obvious thing for local preference. We didn't want it here. You don't mind it there, so have it there, but not here. That's what Yoko told him anyway. Dr. <laughs> James B. Huntington, thanks very much. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, listeners.